the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Voice123, Studio Bricks, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. The Video Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Studio Bricks designs and creates the highest performing portable sound isolation booths. Their professionally perfected acoustics enhances your performance and takes your recording to their maximum quality from your home studio. Forget about managing noise conflicts with your neighbors and family. Pursue your passion for voiceover on your own time and on your own terms. In these modern times, every business needs a website. When you need a website for your voice acting business, there's only one place to go. Like the name says, voiceactorwebsites.com. Their experience in this niche webmaster market gives them the ability to quickly and easily get you from concept to live online in a much shorter time. When you contact voiceactorwebsites.com, their team of experts and designers really get to know you and what your needs are. They work with you to highlight what you do. Then they create an easily navigable website for your potential clients to get the big picture of who you are and how your voice is the one for them. Plus, voiceactorwebsites.com has other great resources like their practice script library and other resources to help your voiceover career flourish. Don't try it yourself. Go with the pros. Voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our interview portion of the VO Meter. We're pleased to be joined today by Stephanie Nemet-Parker. Stephanie is an award-winning SAG-AFTRA audiobook narrator, voiceover artist, and actress with 20-plus years acting experience. Her voice has been described as warm and strong, with an underlying vulnerability that can easily turn snarky when needed. Stephanie was the voice of Omega Watches for over five years, and she has done voiceovers with clients including Ikea, Audi, Novartis, Roche, and Swiss Airlines, to name a few. On the audiobook side, Stephanie narrates romance, fantasy, YA, thrillers, cozy mysteries, nonfiction, horror, memoirs, and LGBTQ+. And she can perform the following accents, U.S. Southern, Midwest, California, British, Irish, French, German, Italian, Hungarian, Russian, Spanish, and various Latin American accents. So please welcome to the show, Stephanie. Hello, hello. Thank you for that lovely intro. Happy to be here. And we're happy to have you. So tell us, Stephanie, how did you get started in all this? Uh, You know, it was, uh, I had been doing some voiceovers um, in Switzerland, uh, where I am currently at. um, And uh, it was just getting kind of light. Um, There's not a lot of English voiceover work there. And my children were getting older. And I was looking for something else. And I just happened to take a... Um, a class from from a VO person about audiobooks, getting into audiobooks, and I took it, and the only thing that I really learned was the website ACX. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just kind of went on there, did an audition. I had nothing really um, of my own set up at home. I just kind of had like a USB mic kind of a thing and thought, I'll just try an audition, see what it's like. And I ended up booking the very first audition that I did. And so... 
then I was scrambling like, oh my God, what now I have to really do this. And so over the next few months, I figured it out and, you know, worked with Joe Brookhouse and then that was it. And that was three, it'll be three years in October when my first book came out. Oh, wow. So at the outset, we talked about some of the uh, high profile clients you've worked for on the commercial side. You've transitioned primarily to audiobooks. How was that transition for you? And do you have any regrets? You know what happened with me is that I kind of got obsessive. It was something that I could actually control, um, whereas the voiceovers in Switzerland, you can't really, you, you know, you can't control how often you're booked and how many opportunities you even have. And so with audiobooks, I was actually winning auditions and booking jobs. And then I ended up on Discord with some other narrators who had like a hundred books more than me. And I'm like, wait a second, I, I want more books too. And so I kind of got obsessive <laughs> about just getting more and more and more books. I kind of did that. I kind of just went full force into it, not really being as picky as I guess I could have been. Maybe, I don't know if I should have been. And um, yeah, so I had a bit of a course correction this year as to what I really enjoy narrating. And so I'm kind of focusing more on that now, but I have a very bad problem with um, just taking a, taking like books that are offered to me. So I'm currently probably overbooked through January. Wowza. Well, that's <laughs> very impressive. And speaking of impressive, you have quite the laundry list of accents that you're able to do in your books and other work. Was this a talent that you've always had or something you've cultivated? And how does that help you in your work? You know, I've always been I've always been the kid who kind of walks around pretending she's British. You know, like when I was young, my mother would be like, Oh my God, please stop. You know, it'd be like, Hello, how are you? And you but know, Mommy, like, oh. we need to go get tea. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then I guess I just I mean, the only accent that I really ever studied um, has been um, the RP accent because I did a an Agatha Christie play where I was the main character and I was literally on stage for two and a half hours with an RP accent. So I really like, you know, listened to my little books on tape type of a thing or whatever they were, the CDs back 20 years ago when I was in LA and, um, learned that accent from there. And then I just basically listened to samples and, you know, kind of go from there. I've worked with PJ Auckland on a couple of accents. I had to do a Boston accent for this recent Macmillan book that I just did. And that's a hard one. So, um, yeah. So, you know, other little things I've worked on. So, but Scottish is the one that I really am trying to get a hold on now because I have a, a lit RPG coming up that has a dwarf or gnome, sorry, a gnome. And so I have to have a Scottish accent for him. So, Sounds like so I'm fun. working on that one. Yeah. Well, that's it's just fun. great. I wish you nothing but the best. <laughs> Thank you. Way to, sh- way to show off. <laughs> so, Stephanie, at the outset, you said you found ACX early on. How much of your work is there, well, was there to begin with? How much of it is now? And how do you think that has changed? Because a, a lot of our listeners are new to the business, and they immediately jump on ACX. That's actually kind of how I got started six years ago. I went to ACX and got a book and said, hey, it's off to the races. So how, how much of your work is from there, and how do you think that's changed over the years? Um, I think in the beginning, all of my work was from there. I didn't feel confident enough um in myself to actually like you know go out and put myself in front of publishers because I wanted to make sure that I was really really good so I think only like last year was the first time I even tried and lots of people have went before me and I was just very you know I wanted to be perfect and I have these perfectionist tendencies that do nothing but hinder me and so now I haven't actually auditioned on ACX probably for almost a year or so 
maybe less than a, no, probably a year at this point. Um, but I have a lot of repeat people that I found on ACX in the beginning. And, and a lot of things I've also gotten from direct outreach. Um, I can say that once I got to a certain point that, um, Natalie Nautis helped me uh, get my foot in at Dreamscape. And so, you know, finding someone who has listened to you, she listened to me on Discord, you know, who kind of believes in you, who's supporting you and is willing to, you know, put in a word for you is also great when it comes to, you know, getting in with publishers and stuff. Otherwise, really for me, things started to change after speed dating um, with the APA. And I'm now working for Audible, Macmillan, God, a name Tantor. I have a book coming. I mean, like all kinds of different um, Blackstone, but all from um, speed dating, actually. And that's the Audio Publishers Association for those Thank listeners you. that don't know. Yeah. Most of our listeners probably know, but just in case. One of the things you mentioned just now is like building a network and uh, your social network and using things like Discord to help promote your work. Mm-hmm. Uh, does social media play a big role in your um, in your marketing and networking? I mean, I think for me, it's, I'm not, you know, I'm not really big on social media. Uh, I don't have a huge following like Natalie, for instance, or Chelsea or Marnie Penning, for instance, I mean, you know, or like Sarah Sampino, who's like freaking Mm -hmm. taking TikTok by storm. Um, But I think that putting myself out there, I've gotten uh, on Clubhouse, I'll narrate simultaneously Clubhouse and Discord. And I've gotten three different series from three different authors from Clubhouse alone, from them popping in and listening to me. Or I've also gotten inquiry inquiries, and then I've you know been like, oh, I'm not the right voice, or I'm, this is not something for me. But you know, here's Avon Shore, who's great, or here's Sarah Sampino, or here's Amanda Stribling. You know, I, I'm also able to refer people who, you know, I had someone say to me, I reached out cold. I do a lot of cold outreach. Or I did last year. I haven't this year because I'm so busy. But I did a lot of cold outreach, and I'm always like, you know here's my sample. I'll do like a five minute, sa- uh, three to five minute sample from the you know first look on Amazon. And then I always say, you know, if, if I'm not the right person, you know, if you're looking to do audio, I know a lot of people. So, you know, let me know what you're looking for. And I can probably help you with someone who's trustworthy and who's good. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Something else I want to touch on is dual narration and duet narration. Um, mm-hmm. I first met you because you were helping me with a couple of auditions to try and land a book as, as a dual narration. Didn't quite work out, but you We will f- one day. We will one, one day. day yeah. <laughs> But how has that experience been for you? And can you talk a little bit about the ins and outs of dual narration and duet? Yeah, I actually love dual narration. Um, I have been very lucky to have a lot of great uh, co-narrators. So there's a lot of collaboration with that, right? There's a lot of uploading your voice files for the other person to, you know, have an idea of. Or if you don't, you know, if it's not that particular, let's say the cast isn't huge, then just giving kind of voice notes on your characters is always is nice and important, I think, to have that communication between um, the male and the female perspective. Um, duets, I really only done mostly with John Perhala, um, but we've worked so much on Discord together. We record on Discord together, and it's super fun. I really love doing duets, and especially because we will do them live together mostly, which means we're we're, we're acting off of each other, and it's really in the moment. Um, I did one with Zach uh, Zachary Johnson as well. Um, for Audiobook Empire, and that was wonderful. We didn't do the whole thing together, but we did some key chapters together where we basically narrated the chapters live together. So duet is when the guy does all the guy voices and the female does all the female voices. And so, yeah, it was a really great experience. I actually like enjoy and enjoy both both parts of it. 
Were there any tech issues? You mentioned you used Discord. Were there any hiccups or hilarious faux pas tech-wise when doing the, the duet? <laughs> uh, no, not on that. I mean, of course, the flubs are there. And so you're all the bad part about that is that you end up like laughing at each other. Yeah. And then you start laughing together. And then you really will ha- you can have like five or 10 minutes where you just can't stop. And then you can't continue because, you know, someone's made, you know, a really hilarious mistake that you both recognize and yeah, it's, it, but it's which is so much fun. I mean, one of my fa- well, actually, one of my best duet narrations was with Greg Gregory Salinas, uh, "Trick Me Twice" by Becca Steele, and we did that entire thing live together, and it was so good. It was so also intense. It was a kind of a bully romance, and it got heated in that booth. Let me tell you, it was it was really really good. Oh my! All right, so <laughs> I love listening to to the all the collaboration that goes on because a lot of people have this misconception that it's a very isolating individual form of acting. I think it can be very isolating. I know lots of people who don't like to narrate live, um, but I can say that, you know, there are two Discord uh, servers that are called the Narrator Nook and the Haven. Um, I think they're in my link tree and my bio on some of my social media, it's a very safe place to come. I've heard a lot um, when I'm on when I'm on Clubhouse and I'm on Discord. Um, a lot of narrators pop in there. It's not really a lot of fans per se, and they really have such a, you know, it's so great for them because they, oh my god, I'm so happy. I'm not the only, I'm not the only one making mistakes in the booth, and you know, I'm not stop. You're not. I'm not the only one stopping every minute or two. I mean, I stop all the time because it's like, you know, I it's just natural, you know. So I think it's it's good to find you know have some accountability partners. I think that's really important, and I, I think you know reach out in the Facebook groups and find your people who can be your peers and hold you accountable. And yeah, it doesn't have to be a lonely thing. So, Stephanie, you've become an experienced narrator. Where do you see the future of the business? One of the big concerns for a lot of voice actors, not just audiobooks, but any genre, is AI and how that might replace a voice actor someday in certain genres. Do you think that will happen with audiobooks? And how do we combat it as narrators? You know, I think it's. I think it it will be an issue with audiobooks. I think, um, especially when you hear people talking about. You know, there's a big thing with the audiobooks when you're learning to narrate and everything. Slow down, slow down, slow down. But I don't actually agree with that 100%. I think there are times when I'm listening to an audiobook and I think, my God, it's so slow. I'm going to speed it up a little bit. And then you have the people who will listen to books at one and a half speed or even two times. And do you really need a person emoting to you at that speed. You know what I mean? Can you really tell all of that? I don't think you can. I think you it's a it's gonna it's a fine line between, you know, the acting and then just someone hearing a story to hear a story. So I think there will be some replacement and it's troubling, but I think it's gonna be how it is. I just think it's gonna be up to the the listeners who who buy human narrated books. That's an interesting actually. take. I hadn't thought about the the slowness as as it, as it relates to AI, because that was one of my problems early on. I took one of my first instructors was Sean Pratt, and the first thing he made me do was read a passage, and time it. And then I think it was five minutes, whatever the the, the passage was. He said mm-hmm. it should be five minutes, and you did it in two and a half. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> do it do it again as many times as it takes until you get past five minutes, because I was reading way too fast. But that's an interesting take that it, it makes it seem too artificial in some cases. I think you're right. I mean, of course, it's not everybody. And it's, I mean, I too, tr- I do suffer sometimes from speaking too quickly. I just, I've always spoken quickly. And there's something to be said for slowing down. But there's also something for just too slow that you just think, oh, my God, okay. Like, I've, you know, there are people that I listen to that I love, but I have to speed them up. And then when I hear romance 
um, listeners who really talk about they listen to books on one and a half and two. And I just think, okay, great. But then you don't really need me emoting to, for that, you know, and that, which is mm-hmm. for me is kind of scary. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a fine balancing act, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because it's like, and it's so intangible and in, in, in case by case, like sometimes right. one thing that might be appropriate might feel dragging on another piece. And then other times you're like straining to understand what's happening because they're going too quickly. Mm. True. Well, something else I wanted to touch on, Stephanie, is the accountability partners you mentioned earlier. You have some great ones. Can you tell me about some of the people that have helped you, not only when you got started, but as, as a continuing narrator and sort of keeping you honest and helping you move your career along? Yeah, absolutely. So when I started out, I started out with Sean Pratt. Um, I didn't finish his program. Um, I Ha-ha! Just, I did. <laughs> did you? I got too busy. I, I, I still have, like, paid for sessions I haven't even Sean hasn't to. finished either. Yeah. Oh my God. I, so I haven't finished, but I, um, I got an accountability partner, Nikki Zaycox. Um, and he literally, Sean could have not picked a better person for me. And I was so insecure when I first found out I had an accountability partner. I thought, Oh my God, she's going to hate me. And I'm so, you know, I'm so hit or miss and I'm, I'm so scattered and, but she was so wonderful and she was so easy. And it's not about, you know, letting somebody down or whatever. It's just about making sure that they're holding you up to what you want to do, what your expectations are for yourself, right? It's not, what does she think about me? It's her being like, Steph, you told me last week that you were going to, you know, do your taxes and da, 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 where are you? You know, and I'd be like, oh, good. I, mean, I still haven't done my taxes. That's why, I'm, <laughs> that's why I'm on that. So Nikki was great. And then when I got on Discord, I really ended up with a great group of people. So Avon Shore and John Perhala and Craig Hart and, you know, Mike Carnes and Kyle Tate and all these people who, who were still in a group together and Sarah Simpino, where we, you know, chat about things and, and Hey, what's going on here and what's going on with this person. And is there someone new at this publishing company? And, you know, like just really helping each other out and being there for each other when you have questions or something doesn't feel right, or it's just so, so important. And, um, yeah, I feel very lucky to have them in my life for sure. Well, I've met or interacted with all those people you mentioned, and they are all great. And Sean and I actually met as accountability partners, and then we went and started this podcast. There you go. See, I mean, there's something about that. And it also makes you feel, like you said before, like you're not alone, you know, because it's very easy to end up feeling, you know, you're in your booth all day, if you're, especially if you're not someone who likes to narrate live. And there's not much interaction. There's not much, you know accountability except for you to yourself so it's good to have somebody to kind of hold you up to what you want to do yeah and especially when you're starting like unless you have a lot of actor friends or stuff like that your friends and family probably aren't involved with this industry and they might not understand what you're trying to accomplish so they don't as intimidating as it can be to try and break in and build the network it like you said it's just a huge support in so many different aspects of the business absolutely 100 percent. i mean my husband thinks this is a hobby I'm like, you realize I do this full time. Like (laughs) what, what part of, I mean, what, but you, he's like, but you love what you do. I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm just happy to say that I love my work. Right. Yeah. Same here. My wife still thinks I'm just goofing around in here. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So before we go, Stephanie, how can, are there any works that you want to promote or how can people hire you if they want to work with you as a narrator? So I think the easiest way is on my website, stephanienemethparker.com. I say Nemeth because it's the T-H and it's hard to, it's a, it's a Hungarian last name. So it's hard to, to pronounce and to spell on my website. And I have this new book out um, called NSFW from Macmillan. Um, it's really, it's an excellent book about kind of 
a little bit of the Me Too movement in the entertainment industry from, you know, someone in her 20s who's kind of getting into the whole thing. And I was in L.A. in my 20s and went through something very similar. So it's just it's a really great book called NSFW from um, Isabel Kaplan. And it's out on Macmillan. came out on the 5th of July. Well, Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us on vacation, right? You're, you're, you're on yes. holiday right now? I've, I'm on holiday, but working. You know what that's like. Yeah. But yeah. I appreciate you taking the time out to, to come talk to us today on the, on the show. Thanks for having me. So thanks so much to Stephanie for joining us while on vacation. Uh, she's actually pretty close to my hometown right now, which is ironic because I'm 90 minutes away. But thanks for joining us while, you're on, while she was on vacation. Stephanie, in my opinion, is one of the most talented audiobook narrators out there. Actually, just voiceover people in general. And uh, I know she's going to be even bigger in the years to come. Yeah, and so modest, too. Like, it was really fun talking to her. So that wraps up this episode of VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. Coming up, we'll have an interview with Greg Jake Gibbons, who's a voice actor out of Dallas that I met last year at One Voice USA. And Andia Winslow, who I also met at One Voice USA and was actually voiceover of the year at the One Voice Awards last year. So looking forward to both of those. Thanks for listening, everybody. You'll hear us in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter. 